Galatians 5, 1 through 6. Galatians chapter 5, 1 through 6 says this. The Messiah has liberated us into freedom. Therefore, stand firm and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. Take note, I, Paul, tell you that if you get circumcised, the Messiah will not benefit you at all. Again, I testify to every man who gets circumcised that he is obligated to keep the entire law. You who are trying to be justified by the law are alienated from the Messiah. You have fallen from grace. For by the Spirit we eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness from faith. For in the Messiah, Yeshua, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision accomplishes anything. What matters is faith working through love. May Yahweh bless His Word to our hearts today. So, today we begin chapter 5 of Galatians. I just read the first six verses, uh, but after I ended chapter 4 last week, where we talked about Abraham and Sarah, Hagar, Isaac, and Ishmael, I ended chapter 4, I thought about teaching through the first 12 verses of chapter 5 this week. Now that probably makes some of you guys laugh because you think there's no way that Brother Matthew could teach through 12 verses in one sermon. And you're right. So I don't know what I was thinking, but I thought maybe I'll get through all 12 verses in chapter 5 and there's no way that I can do that. And so tonight, all we're going to cover in this sermon is verse 1. Galatians 5 verse 1. (laughs) So... I want to stay focused and try to get through all of chapter 5 during the winter months up before Passover, but I don't want to rush through anything. I want to make sure that we continue to concentrate on all of the verses because all of them are important, and that way, even if you don't grasp the teaching in one setting, you can have the recording, you can go back and you can listen to the recording with an open Bible for years to come. So I'm going to cover one verse today, Galatians 5 verse 1, and we'll branch out. We are going to branch out from that verse and look at other verses that I think parallel or complement Galatians 5 1, but we're not going to leave verse 1 inside of Galatians chapter 5. So it says again in verse 1, it says that the Messiah has liberated us into freedom. Therefore, stand firm and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. So... A lot of people think, well, there we have it. Why can't we see that the law is slavery? We've been freed from the law by Christ, and we should stand firm in that freedom. That's how a lot of Christians read that verse. Um, Even the New Living Translation, which a translation like the New Living I enjoy reading, not studying out of, but I enjoy reading, it cites this verse like this. And LT says, So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free. And don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. That's the NLT. And that's why, brothers and sisters, you need to read multiple Bible translations. It's not wrong to have an NLT in your possession. But that doesn't need to be the only translation that you own. You need multiple Bible translations and you need to have a good teacher. For the record, in Galatians 5.1, I do not agree with the New Living Translation. So, before we get to verse 1, today... I observe the Sabbath. I began last evening. I've been working hard all week, every day, laboring. My right knee hurts. 
I cut a few of my fingers at work. I lifted some heavy things throughout the week. I walked more steps than I could count. But last night, all of that stopped. I've been home all day, resting. I did some Bible reading. I did some study. I slept in though this morning. I took a nap this afternoon. Sabbath means rest. It's been wonderful. It's been great. doesn't feel like slavery or bondage to me at all. And the same goes for the rest of the commandments. I seek to honor my parents and that brings enjoyment to my life. I don't want to murder my neighbor or hate my neighbor in my heart. I want to be kind and speak words of peace and words of thanks to people that I meet. I'm faithful to my wife in marriage and we live a life of deep love and friendship with one another. I don't want to steal something from my neighbor and I don't want to be stolen from. I want to speak the truth. I don't want to be lied about and I don't want to lie on anybody. I want to be content with what I have and not desire my neighbor's things or get caught up in coveting what I do not have. All of these commandments make my life great. They add beauty to my life. But it's just not these commandments that I've mentioned, the Sabbath or some of the Ten Commandments that I've talked about. But it's those commands that often get neglected as well. We just finished recently the Feast of Tabernacles here at the congregation, and it was a wonderful time. There was a lot of good food. There was a lot of good wine. And there was a lot of good biblical discussion and great fellowship. One new brother that came this year told me that he already could not wait until next year for the feast. Another brother told me one time, this was years previous, but he said, Brother Matthew, I don't want it to stop. I want to just keep going. At the Feast of Tabernacles, we laughed, we cried, we studied, we sang, we talked, we hugged. It wasn't something that I wanted freedom from. I can tell you that. So let me share with you a concept that many people do not realize. Everyone, every human being, is free from something. And at the same time, every human being is a slave to something. There are no exceptions. Everyone's free from something and is a servant or a slave to something. A man could be married with children, yet he could be a slave to his car, to his job. He's free from his family, spends no time with his family. He can work so much and take so much pride in his achievements that he neglects his wife and his children. So in this case, he experiences freedom from his family because he is a slave to something else. A person can decide one day that they want to leave everything that they know behind and try heroin or cocaine. They may become free from responsibilities, but they become a slave to drugs or addicted to drugs. One guy put it like this. You might be a rock and roll addict prancing on the stage. You might have drugs at your command, women in a cage. You may be a businessman or some high degree thief. They may call you doctor or they may call you chief. But you're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Bob Dylan, 1979. Never thought I'd quote Bob Dylan in a Sabbath sermon. The Apostle Paul, the same author as in the book of Galatians, put it like this in Romans 6, verses 16 through 18 and verse 22. 
Listen to this. Do you not know that if you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one that you obey, either of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But thank the Almighty that although you used to be slaves of sin, you obeyed from the heart the pattern of teaching that you were entrusted to. And having been liberated from sin, you became enslaved to righteousness. And then verse 22 says this, But now since you have been liberated from sin and become enslaved to the Almighty, enslaved to the Almighty and enslaved to righteousness are one and the same thing. Liberated from sin, enslaved to the Almighty. It says you have your fruit which results in sanctification in the end or the outcome is eternal life. The point is, is that you cannot get around serving somebody or serving something. Every person in the world today serves something and at the same time is freed from something. No person is freed from everything. So what did Paul mean in Galatians 5 verse 1 when he said that the Messiah has liberated us into freedom? Therefore stand firm and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. Well, Paul was not talking here about freedom from the law. I will present to you in this lesson that Paul was talking instead about freedom from what certain people among them were teaching about the law. That's a big difference. Not freedom from the law, but freedom from a misuse of teaching the law. See, a person can misuse or abuse a scripture or a law, teach that misuse, and then permeate it through the people the people adopt the misuse and thus people become a slave to the misuse of the law rather than liberated and free to walk in the truth. So the influencers or the Judaizers were using circumcision. Remember that shorthand for proselyte conversion. They were using circumcision as a means of the forgiveness of sins and right standing with the Almighty. And in teaching that commandment in that way, they were causing people who had already placed their faith in the Messiah to doubt their forgiveness and submit to something additional, an additional ritual, in order to be forgiven or saved, at least in their minds. Paul says, no, the Messiah has liberated us into freedom. You have been forgiven. All of your sins were paid for by the Messiah. His work is what accomplished your salvation, so stand firm in that. And do not submit to this yoke of slavery that is being pushed upon you. Do not submit to this misuse or this abuse of the law. We see this also in Matthew 23. Matthew 23 is a parallel text here, verses 1-4, through 4, where Yeshua talks about the scribes and the Pharisees. Scribes were people who would write down what knowledgeable folks would tell them to. Commands, uh, thoughts, things of that nature, spiritual things. The Pharisees were considered to be the strictest sect in the Hebrew faith in the first century by a lot of people. And he said that the scribes and the Pharisees are seated in the chair of Moses. And what that means, it's an authoritative position. It goes back to Exodus 18 where Moses would sit and judge the people when they would come to him with their cases. And he said, whatever they tell you, do it. The scribes and Pharisees, what they speak, do it. Why? Because they're reading from Moses. They sit in the chair of Moses. He said, but don't do what they do. 
Don't do after their works because they speak, but they don't obey. They're hypocrites. They're pretenders. He goes on to say that they type heavy loads upon the people, but they're not willing to even use a finger to lift that load. They like to weigh the people down, and they don't like to help them at all. Now, some people think that the heavy loads that are hard to carry are the man-made traditions of the Pharisees. I used to think that a long time ago, but I changed my view a few years ago because of verse 3, where Yeshua says, Do what they tell you, but don't do what they do. Now, did the scribes and Pharisees, did they practice their traditions? Yes, they were meticulous in their traditions. Of course they practiced them. It was the law that they did not do. Some outward aspects, yes, but as a general rule, no, not at all. They just looked the part, they didn't really have the part. So this means that verse 4 about the heavy loads that they're weighing on the people is about the law. But it is about the way in which the Pharisees taught the law. Their misuse of the law became a heavy load to those who sat up under or were discipled by their teaching. See, a hammer can be used to build something great, but that exact same hammer can be used to tear something down. And if you use the law to just hammer and hammer and hammer people over the head and you pile up law after law after law and you make people feel so overwhelmed and even sometimes unforgiven, the person will eventually crack under the weight of so much pressure if they're honest. If they're dishonest, they'll put on a show and act like everything's okay and I'm pretty good at the law. But an honest person under a Pharisee's teaching would crack because they'd realize, they said, look, where is the mercy? Where is the long-suffering? Where is the patience in this? I don't feel it at all. The Pharisees didn't care, though. They didn't care about their teaching method. They didn't worry about the people. They wanted people to feel dirty. They wanted people to feel bad about their self. They were not interested in dressing the wounds of the people. They were only interested in making themselves look good and everybody else looked bad. So that it kept people in bondage and thinking that I've got to continue to sit up under the teaching of the scribes and the Pharisees. Now in contrast with that, Yeshua the Messiah, on the other hand, He taught the law, same law, but He taught the law as a way of life. Not as a means of forgiveness, a means of justification, but as a way of life. And He tempered that teaching with grace and mercy and love and forgiveness, long-suffering, kindness, and gentleness. Uh, This is actually why Yeshua said, Come to Me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. All of you, take up My yoke. Remember that word yoke. It's in Galatians 5.1. Yeshua says, Take up My yoke and learn from Me, because I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for yourselves. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now this verse is on coffee mugs. It's on t-shirts. It's on wall decor. It's on people's refrigerators. It is a refrigerator verse. I like it. It's good. Yeshua is contrasting though his teaching methods with the teaching methods of others in His day. And that's what a lot of people don't realize. People quote that verse. I've heard it quoted all my life. And they don't realize that the intention that Yeshua had behind that was, my teaching methods are different. 
than the teaching methods of the scribes and the Pharisees. While the teaching of the Pharisees was heavy and made you feel worthless and dirty and like you could never amount to anything, the teaching of Yeshua was easy and light. He said, take my yoke and learn from me. Not learn about me. Yes, we learn about Him. That's not what He said here. He said, learn from me. Listen to how I teach you. Sit up under my mentorship. Be my disciple. Learn from me. So when people would come to Yeshua or they would listen to Yeshua teach, He would welcome them in. No matter where they were at, no matter what level they were at, He would welcome them in. He went to visit folks that a lot of people wouldn't take time with. He went to visit a tax collector. He said, come down out of that tree. Go into your house today. I'm going to talk to you. Uh, he let a, a known sinner woman who was a prostitute, he let her come into a house where they were eating with the Pharisees and she began to wash his feet because she was weeping so hard that she, she cried her tears on his feet and she washed his feet with her tears and then she dried them with her hair and the Pharisee looked down there at her and he said, if this man were a prophet, he'd know who this woman was and he wouldn't allow her to come in here and wash his feet. But Yeshua wasn't like that. He brought in who would be called the lowest of the low. He welcomed all those who knew that they had need of a doctor and He gave them the medicine that they needed. He gave them truth but He gave it with love and with gentleness. He said, come to Me, for I am gentle and I'm humble in heart. He used the hammer to build rather than to tear apart, rather than to destroy. He taught the law as a way of life and He was patient with people. He met people where they were at. He didn't teach the law as a way to be forgiven or to be justified. And notice that he refers to his teaching as a yoke in Matthew chapter 10. No, excuse me, it was Matthew 11, 28 through 30. He said, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Remember Galatians 5.1 speaks of a yoke of slavery. Here Yeshua says, my yoke is easy. My yoke is light. Why does he use the word yoke here? Well, a yoke was a wooden cross piece that was fastened over the necks of two animals and it was attached to the cart or the plow that the animals would pull. Remember in the law it says not to yoke an ox and a donkey together because it's uneven. The ox will pull all the, have all the work and the donkey will get kind of left behind and the ox will have to work harder. And then in, I think it's 2 Corinthians 6, the Apostle Paul says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, right? So, in the first century, to be yoked to a teacher meant that you sat under the tutelage of that teacher. It was as though his neck was in one side of the yoke and your neck was in the other. And Yeshua says, my yoke, take my yoke upon you. Come, come and be yoked with me. Learn from me. My yoke's easy. My burden's light. I'll take time with you. I'll be patient with you. I'll teach you. Don't worry. They'll be long-suffering. They'll be gentleness. I'm gentle. I'm not like the Pharisees. I'm not here to make you feel dirty. I'm here to make you feel loved. I'm here to encourage you and increase your obedience over a period of time. Yeshua helped pull the load. One commentator that I read by the name of Jeremy Taylor, he said this, quote, Christ's yoke is like feathers to a bird, not loads, but helps to motion. End of quote. 
Yeshua taught with patience and He taught with gentleness. The Pharisees taught with rigor and only with condemnation. So when Paul told the Galatians to stand firm in liberty and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery, it was in reference to how a certain law was being taught to them. It was in reference to a misuse or an abuse of the law, not in reference to the law itself. The Galatians were forgiven of their sin in the Messiah. And they should not allow somebody to come in and start trying to browbeat them over the head with a hammer and tell them, no, you're not really forgiven until you do things our way. So as I close today with words of encouragement, and I thought about this and tried to figure how I could make an application. If you've repented of your sins and you've placed your faith in the Messiah, then you too are forgiven like the Galatians. And you are somebody. There is no need to punish yourself because you don't feel good enough. There's no need to listen to the many voices in the world that tell you do this or do that in order to amount to anything. You are the best that you could ever be in the Messiah. You've already got the best gift that anybody could ever be given in the Messiah. Sometimes we struggle with feeling needed in this world. People wonder at the end of the day if it really mattered if they lived or if they died. Would it really matter? Do you really make a difference? And the answer to that question is absolutely you matter. You are special. Yahweh loves you. Brother Matthew loves you. And you are needed. Your life is worth something. Do not doubt that. Do not let anybody try to trick or fool you into thinking that it does not. Yahweh loved you so much that He gave His only begotten Son for you. He bought you with a price. Don't listen to anyone who tells you that you will never amount to anything. You've already got everything. You have eternal life. You have the best thing that anyone could ever have. There will be people that come along and they'll try to teach like the Pharisees and the scribes. Don't pay a whole lot of attention. I've learned not to pay too much attention. Take Yeshua's yoke upon you and learn from Him. For His yoke is easy and His burden is light. Yes, you need to be taught. We all do. And we need to all learn how to love Yahweh. And yes, you need to grow in righteousness and you need to grow in obedience. But it's okay if that takes time. It's all right. You don't have to learn everything overnight. You don't have to figure it all out in one setting. Believe you me, that can't be done. It takes time to learn. It takes years and years and years to learn and to grow in knowledge. Um, I am not here to condemn those in the Messiah. I am here to encourage and teach and be patient with those genuinely in Christ. Yahweh will grow you if you are His. But it will be in His time. And just like a farmer waits patiently for his harvest after the seeds are planted, and he doesn't go out there the next morning and expect to see squash on the plants, he don't get mad if there's not a tomato harvest the next morning, but he has to wait patiently. Yahweh is also waiting patiently with you. Take the Messiah's yoke upon you and learn from Him. So I think that's what Galatians 5 verse 1 is talking about. I'll teach you again next week. I don't know how far I'll get. I promise you that we will cover verse 2.
<laughs> which says, take note, I, Paul, tell you that if you get circumcised, the Messiah will not benefit you at all. A lot of people stumble over that verse. I don't think it's that difficult. I don't think it's that hard of a verse. But I've read so many commentaries that I think botched the verse, but I don't think it's that difficult. But I promise you we'll cover verse 2 and probably verse 3 next week. So, praise Yahweh. That's my sermon for today.